Hey friends, I am so excited for you to hear what we're going to talk about today. So I have a really special guest joining me. She is one of my best friends and we both know a lot about what living the chronic illness life looks like. We also know that it's really hard to make friends inside and outside of the chronic illness community. But once you do make those friends, how do you set boundaries? How do you make sure that you're emotionally taking care of yourself? Well, let's dive into that right now. Hey friends, I'm Cassie, and I'm a married Spoonie who lives the chronic illness life. Here each week, I'll challenge you to live intentionally and authentically, where every spoon you use has a purpose and every step you take matters. Welcome to Chronically Cultivating. All right, friends. So this is Kaylee. Hi, everyone. Cass, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you today. Oh, my goodness. We have been looking forward to this for such a long time, and I don't think people even realize that because you knew that I was going to start the podcast and all of this like right at the beginning. I'm pretty sure you were one of the first people I told. I think we were on FaceTime one morning and you said, I have something to share with you and it's just in the beginning stages, so don't say anything. And I'm just so excited and I'm so proud of you and what you've built so far. This is just really great. Oh, thanks. Well, what I think is so important and it's not talked about enough is friendships in the chronic illness community. And you and I have had a lot of ups and downs, not with each other, but with the community as a whole. And I'm really excited for us to just kind of talk about this and make it known to people what it kind of takes, I guess, to be a good friend, but to make other good friends too, if that is a good way of it. (laughs) (laughs) That makes complete sense because, you know, with chronic illness, we are normally housebound meeting friends online and connecting with others that share our similar conditions, I think is important. It builds camaraderie and support. You know, it gives us a way to interact with people who understand what we're going through because they're going through it too. And I think what is so neat about our friendship is that we pretty much have almost the same diagnoses except for a couple like things, but we present completely differently. Completely differently completely differently. I think that's important to note. Yeah. Because in the community, there may be people that have the same diagnosis as you and, you know, they present differently and that's okay. Absolutely. So Kaylee and I both have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. I mean, I don't even know where to start with how different that is between the two of us. (laughs) (laughs) So I get partial dislocations in my right shoulder and in my hips. You know, I know that's a big difference between us and how our bodies act with EDS. So I know that that's a difference for sure. Yeah, because pretty much all my joints at this point are affected. And I I am braced more often than not, whereas I don't think you use bracing as frequently. I'm, I'm in the process of getting uh, bracing. Uh, I had an ankle injury recently that led me to come to the decision that that's something that I am going to need soon. So, And we both have hyperpots, which is interesting because I feel like that's not as common as just the stereotypical pots. And for those that don't know, hyperpots, is, it just affects our blood pressure differently. And we tend to have really high blood pressures. And I don't know if you have anything more to add on that, Kaylee. 
And it also affects your norepinephrine and your dopamine levels. I was diagnosed initially with POTS and they finally ran the standing catecholamine blood test and it showed that my norepinephrine levels were three times the normal high. Finding that for me was huge because we were able to get it managed and under control. Yeah. And those are pretty much, I think, the only two things that we really have in common. You have been dealing with Lyme. And Lyme, Epstein-Barr. I also have mast cell activation disorder, Ehlers-Danlos, hyperpots, endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and adenomyosis. Yep. Add to the list. (laughs) And I completely forgot about mast cell because, I mean, I'm in the diagnosis stage, but we're pretty sure that's what's going on. Um, And even that we present very differently. We have very different allergies, like drastically different triggers. Yeah. And then I have CRPS as well, which is, I think, the only other thing that we don't. And that's a beast its own self. Yeah. But what's so neat is that we're so close. And I think the other important thing to mention is that we are not the same age. No. Is it 12 years? I'm 34. Um, 11. 11, yeah. There's an 11-year age difference between the two of us, and we're at completely different stages in our life. Uh, Cass is newly married. I've been married for 13 years, and I have two small children. But we're still able to have these deep and fruitful conversations, and we meet each other exactly where we're at, and that's what I appreciate so much about this relationship. Yeah. I mean, I think even the reason we wanted to do this podcast today was because we constantly get into such deep, meaningful conversation over FaceTime or any platform that we're using. And Mm -hmm. always, I feel like walk away feeling like the conversation was very life-giving. And that's for everybody listening is that you're also going to feel like this was a life-giving conversation to be a part of. I guess I'll let Kaylee kind of start because she actually pursued me and she found me first online. So, so I, I, I've been following you for, I think about six months before I sent you a direct message. I just liked your photos, read your blog. I followed along your journey. You know, I, I came into this community not intending to make friends. I was heavily guarded because I had a close personal friend uh, that I cared for and used many of my spoons only to find out that she wasn't being, you know, 100% truthful with me. So it kind of broke my heart. So, and that was a friend that I met online, mind you. Um, So I was just very guarded, but I was following your journey and I just loved reading what you were posting. And it was, I think the end of September, you had shared your story about you and Jared what you guys have been through. That story was what resonated with me and encouraged me to reach out to you. And just to let you know that your story is inspiring. And, um, you know, I've been following you for a little while. And then it just kind of started with conversation over direct message. And we didn't actually exchange contact information. And you may know this better, Cass, but until December, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then we had a FaceTime in December. And then it just kind of, you know, went from there. Yeah. And I remember Kaylee messaging me and I had no idea who she was. And I, I definitely, I don't even think I told you this, but I kind of was stereotyped because you were into essential oils and I was like, Oh no. Like, You're like this lady's funny. weird. She's a weirdy. Like, <laughs> that wasn't what I was worried about. I thought for sure it was going to be one of those 
these essential oils have cured me of everything. And like, so I was definitely a little bit like, okay, because I had people push that. So I think I was a little guarded, but I also, you know, it is, it is a hard thing to make friends within the community. I mean, I was at a point in my journey where I was emotionally struggling so much myself that I couldn't take on anybody else's burdens. And I mean, I left all the Facebook groups I was a part of because as great as those spaces are to learn and to connect, they can also really weigh on your heart because everybody is hurting and everybody is struggling. It almost makes you feel like you can get burnt out. And so I was very careful who I became friends with. I wanted to make sure that there were just a lot of like little boxes in a sense that I wanted checked to just know that I wasn't going to be in a one way kind of friendship and just being dumped on all the time, like in the past. So Kaylee and I kept messaging each other and it's so funny. I wish you all could read our messages back and forth to one another. (laughs) Because I was so guarded with everything I said, and she was so guarded with everything she said that I it doesn't shock me that it took until December for us to actually exchange information because we were so careful with what we said, what we explained, but we were also like at that point curious about one another in my mind and for whatever reason, it makes me think of like when a dog is like discovering themselves in a mirror for the first time and like, <laughs> you don't know like what to do. That was pretty much <laughs> a like instant message. I remember our first FaceTime. We were both really guarded. And I think after that conversation, we both relaxed a little bit and, yeah. you know, we started sending each other memes and things like that. And it's been awesome ever since. Yeah. So it- I think it's important to note too that, you know, when you're finding an online friend, trust is earned. It's not given. It, you're not going to get a FaceTime call right away. You know, it takes time to nurture that relationship and build it. Yeah. And it was something where, you know, you definitely pursued me and helped me like, you know, get to know you, but you also never forced anything or you never messaged me being like, you haven't responded to my message or this, that, the other thing you were totally just, dis- you know, like slowly getting to know me and I was slowly, like slowly getting to know you. And, um, I mean, I don't even think I followed you on Instagram until like November. Like I hadn't even fully gone into that. It was, it was because <laughs> I was so guarded and I was like, I don't want to, you know, screw this up. But yeah, we've kind of been inseparable ever since, even though we live on completely different sides of the country. <laughs> I know. We live so far away, the furthest away. So yeah, I mean, and that was important to me too. I wanted somebody that I could connect with that understood where I'm coming from, but also would respect the boundaries that I have and would respect the fact that we are both chronically ill. No, we don't flare at the same time. So there could be, I mean, there was a period of three weeks where we didn't talk and then, you know, we'd send a text, hey, you still alive? Yes, I'm good. Okay, love you. Talk to you soon. It's just being respectful of that person's space when they're in that flare too is huge. Yeah. We were always, I guess, really thoughtful. I felt like there's always been real intentional forethought to the messages that we send one another. And we're very quick to encourage. Kaylee is for sure an encourager. And I love sending letters and doing things like that and being encouraging as well. And so that was something that I think 
was very refreshing for us both because sometimes when you're always encouraging others, you don't get that same encouragement back. And I feel like we've always been really good about making sure that we're encouraging each other. And even if it's not like fully talking, we'll just send a text being like, Hey, you're awesome. And here's why. And then like, Mm -hmm. don't talk. Like it just, it's just been really nice. You've sent me a few cards. There was one in particular I was having a really rough day. I was having a very high paying day. I was extremely tired and I managed to make it out to the mailbox and I came back and there was a letter from you and I actually have it on my fridge so that I see it every morning as a reminder. Those are the things that hit my heart and mean so much to me. So I I still have it on my fridge. I actually texted it to you. I was like, you're on my fridge. (laughs) Which was so cool because like, you know, like, the fridge is a reserved space. I've got pictures of my kids, my nephew. I've got the card from you. It's yeah. perfect. I love it. Awesome. It's definitely taken us time, though, to get to where we're at. And I think the reason that this friendship has worked out so well is due to the fact we're both very careful. We already had had in our minds the boundaries that we were going to set. So. It was one of those things where kind of slowly we explained our boundaries to each other and those kind of things. And we made sure that we were respectful of both of those. So I think for anybody that's looking to go into the chronic illness community and make close friends and do any of that, like definitely know what your boundaries are in advance and be prepared to learn about that other person's boundaries as well. And respecting their space and respecting their boundaries is really important. If they set a boundary with you, you know, hey, I'm not replying to DMs today because my anxiety is really high. You don't DM them. You don't continue to add to their initial stress. Mm -hmm. Kaylee and I spent some time talking, which we talk all the time. So we spent intentional (laughs) time talking about the boundaries that we put in place and how we could best help you learn how to set those same boundaries because I don't think there's one person in the chronic illness community that has not been hurt or disappointed or discouraged by another member, whether it's directly or an indirect kind of thing. And that's because all of us are struggling. We are all dealing with really heavy things. And sometimes those things just become too much you know, that's when you need those close friends. But what do you do when those friends are also in the exact same place? You Then you're like stuck in this catch 22. So we worked on some boundaries and some different tips and we're just going to kind of start there. And I'll let Kaylee start because she was really the one that pursued me. I think she has a little bit better of an idea. I'll let you go ahead and start. I think it's just really important to learn about the person that you are following. And find out if you have any common interests you can relate to with them. For me, my Instagram feed, I select and choose who's on there. Because when you open your Instagram app, you're scrolling and you're seeing all these posts. To me, it's important to follow the people that I have a connection with. That's what I really believe social media is for, is about connection. So find a similar connection that you have, you know, liking their photos and commenting Sending DMs to support each other. Even if it's just, I see you're having a really tough day, Cass. I'm here for you. I'm holding space for you. I'm praying for you. That's it. And she doesn't even have to respond. And she'll do the same thing to me. And sometimes I won't respond. And she understands because 
she's in a similar position. Yeah. And even with people that I've pursued and become friends with, it was very much the same thing. I started following them. I listened to their stories. I, you know, got to know them in that sense. And then I was like, hey, do we have these things in common? And if it works out, awesome. And if it doesn't, like, that's totally okay. It's definitely important to have an idea, I guess, of who that person is, because we really can't know anybody directly through social media until you get to talking with them and having those one-on-one conversations. But making sure that you're emotionally prepared yourself to not only share your story, but share someone else's story. But I, I think it's really important that we mention you are never obligated to share your story with anybody. Even yeah. if someone messages you, um, I know there are certain things like let's say medical PTSD, for instance, and there are certain things that I won't go into because it hurts me too much. It's not that I'm trying to withhold information. It's that I can't emotionally handle talking about that problem. So you know, you are allowed to share as much or as little as you want. And that is 100% up to you. Yes. And, you know, to touch on that too, respect their DM space. So if you're DMing somebody constantly and they're not responding, it's not meant to be. I think that's just important. That can also slow them down. I mean, there are so many people that I think I message even every day and it takes a while to hear back from people but I definitely would wait on that response. Because it creates resentment and tension. And it's not a great way to start an online friendship if you're aggressively messaging somebody six, seven times in a day and they don't respond and there's tension and resentment there. How are you supposed to have a mutual beneficial relationship with a person starting off that way? Well, and something that Kaylee and I did a lot of when we were initially like getting to know one another um, you know, we would comment on each other's stories or posts or something and, you know, send it in a DM. And there were a lot of times that we just did that little like heart back and forth. Like there wasn't even any conversation. It was just like, yeah, I'm acknowledging that. And we both did a fair amount of that. There are times that you don't even know what to say and you just want to be like, I really appreciate that you even just took that time to reach out to me, but I don't have the energy or the spoons to respond. So definitely if you get hearts back from people all the time or from me or from Kaylee, like (laughs) that isn't a rejection of a friendship. It just may be that they're like, things are going on. They just can't get to it, but they appreciate you taking the time to let them know what they said impacted you and mattered. Yeah, I think that's really important to point out is, um, you know, if, if they like something that you've commented on, that's their way of acknowledging that they've read what you said. Mm-hmm. And you have to take into consideration where they are at that day. Like you said, if they are too tired to respond, they could be in the middle of having an anxiety attack. And how could you expect somebody to respond to that? You know, so you just got to put yourself in their shoes. Or what happens to you and I all the time is we open our phones and read the message and then we don't actually have time to respond. And then it's like a day or two later and we go to text each other and we're like, oh my gosh, we never actually responded. I'm so sorry. And we're having two conversations at the same time. (laughs) I completely agree. But you know, that's the thing about our relationship that works so well is we don't hold that resentment. We don't hold that tension when we don't hear a reply. I just accept that 
hey, you know what, I'll talk to her soon. And I'll usually get a text from you or I'll send you a message and then we'll, you know, schedule a time to FaceTime when it works for both of us. And something I also want to note too is, you know, we'll schedule a FaceTime, but we don't always FaceTime because uh, Cass could be down, I could be down, um, something comes up. That's just life. And that's okay too. Your kid jumped off the couch and got hurt. And that was like, my, a, Matt, like, I just got this text from you being like, oh my God, this is what happened. I've got to go. And I was just like, okay. Like, you know, like their chronic illness is unpredictable. Kids are unpredictable. Like mm-hmm. life is unpredictable. So there are tons of times, or even the other day I had said, oh yeah, I'm ready to FaceTime when I so was not ready to FaceTime. Mm-hmm. Yes, where are you? And I was like, yeah, I really <laughs> a couple more minutes. <laughs> it's just, it's not perfect. And I think, you know, we both kind of laugh about it because it's, we just, we don't take that part seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we don't hold each other to certain standards within, you know, when we communicate. And I think that's important. And I definitely think choosing when to share certain information is important. So especially when it came to Kaylee and I exchanging phone numbers, that was a huge like moment of trust. And I think we both were very back and forth if, if we were actually going to exchange information. Because mm-hmm. like it's, it's one thing to be talking to someone on social media, but another to have them in your phone and in your actual life. And that's a really big deal. So it took us a really long time and don't stress if it takes you a really long time or any of that because it's just an extremely personal, personal thing. It is. And you also need to respect the boundary too, that if you develop a relationship or a friendship with somebody online and they don't want to share their phone number with you, you respect that. Well, even for instance, and it was very, very recently that we became Facebook friends, but something for me that's always been a boundary, and this was long before I was dealing with the stuff that I'm dealing with now, was I just made it so that only family was allowed on my Facebook. Um, When I was teaching and dancing and all of that, students, parents, anything like that, they were not allowed on that platform. I've always said my Instagram is open and you can follow me on that, but my Facebook is private. That's just for me and my family. And that's something that I've chosen to keep private. And that's okay. And it really was something where the only reason I'm pretty sure you and I became Facebook friends was because there was a group that you were like joining into that I was in. It was something like that. I think so. But even so, like we've, we've really respected each other's boundaries in that sense. So if, if you want to keep your phone number private or your Facebook private or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Stick to your guns and that's okay. And if someone isn't going to respect that boundary or takes it offensively, then you really don't want that kind of energy in your life. In your life. No, not at all. And something I just, I feel like I just need to touch on this and I cannot stress it enough. Who you are in real life is who you should be online. Mm. So when you misrepresent yourself or act differently than you do offline, how is that person supposed to know the real you? It's really important that you're authentic and that you act online the same way that you do in person. And I've learned that through our relationship, I've seen how you interact online and it's the exact same way that you interact face to face. Be yourself. The right people will find you. Yep. And there are definitely people that I meet that 
I don't vibe with or they don't vibe with me and same goes for Kaylee and you know, but we're not going to be somebody that we're not just to gain more followers or to, it just, it doesn't work that way. And no, you don't it doesn't. without being authentic and being you, you just, it's never going to work if you're not. Can I touch on one thing too? Um, and I think that you've encountered this cast as well is, you know, we get diagnosed with all these illnesses and we share with our family and we share with our close personal friends and granted they are trying to be helpful and they'll say, Oh, Hey, I want you to add this person on Facebook. They have EDS. You guys can connect. You know, while I know that it comes from a loving spot, um, don't feel pressured to get to know someone who has your disease that your family connects you with. You're not obligated to share your story. You know, we understand why someone thinks it's helpful or wants us to help them, but it's not that simple. Everyone's in different places depending on where their diagnosis is. At the beginning of my POPs journey, I was a hot mess. I mean, I did not have it together. And I feel more secure in my diagnoses and I have a lot of my illnesses managed. And still, I'm careful on who I connect with in their journey just because that's a trigger for me. I have medical PTSD from that time. So it's hard for me. So that's something that, you know, I communicate. Well, I think that's great. They can follow my public Instagram account. Here's the handle. Yep. And not something. And we're not throwing shade at anybody right now that's done that for either of our families, you know, just to like, no, 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 clear because I've had countless amounts of people, whether they're family, friends, whoever it is being like, Oh, can I like share your number with this person? Or can you friend this person on Facebook? And I'm like, ah, no, um, <laughs> people get sometimes really like taken back by that fact. And what I've just kind of said is you can give them my Instagram or give them my website. First of all, let them decide if they even like me and they like how I fight my illnesses let them figure out where they are on their journey themselves too. I think it's so important. It's hard because it's almost like contradicting, but you know, we do want to encourage and give hope to those that have been newly diagnosed and that don't have it together. And they, they don't feel that way. You know, they don't feel how we do about our illnesses now. And at the same point, though, we have to protect our energy and our spoons. For all we know, also, we could be in very different places. Or I may have never gone through something that Kaylee has gone through. So I couldn't maybe give her advice on something she was asking for. And that's going to happen because we are not all exactly the same. Right. You know, what I always tell people is like, thank you so much. Let them know if they want to reach out to me. Like, this is how they can reach me. If the person reaches out to me, awesome. And if not, then it wasn't meant to work out. Right, exactly. To kind of touch on, you know, the giving advice, you know, you had mentioned, I hadn't been through that, so I can't really give advice about that. It's really important to note when you're in a friendship with somebody in the chronic illness community, don't be each other's doctors. I know I see enough doctors. Uh, I've seen enough doctors in my life. I have a great medical team. It's hard when you're in it. You want to give advice and you want to share and you want to help. But I think it's just important to remember that, you know, they're also going through the process too and they have a doctor. And um, I think that can cross a boundary when you start to try to tell the person what to do with their illness. And what's so crucial in noting that is that, there may be times that we think 
we're going to help somebody by sharing exactly what worked for us. One, that may be something that the doctor has not cleared for them to do. Two, it also may be something that they've actually already done and they've had a horrible experience with. And now all of that medical PTSD is being brought back up or not even PTSD, but just the disappointment that for you it worked and for them it didn't. And then I think the final most crucial piece of that is that every person in the chronic illness community at one point or another has been invalidated, whether it's by a doctor, a parent, a friend, it, it comes everywhere. So sometimes mm-hmm. when we tell people about our illnesses and they give us advice or what we can be doing better, it can come across as invalidating what we're currently experiencing. Yes. And we get that enough. I mean... I've talked to so many people on social media and that is, I think the biggest thing is feeling like you're invalidated by your physician. So it's like, why are we doing it to each other? I hope this is helpful to people that are looking to create friendships in the chronic illness community. We love to talk with people. And as we said, we've set our boundaries in place that we don't deal with burnout. And we're also, you know, very quick to make sure that each other isn't getting burnt out. All those things make for a really good friendship. So 100%, if you don't already follow Kaylee's blog, Pain Into Power, you totally should. And she's just an amazing encourager. And especially if you have kids and you're dealing with chronic illness, that's something I cannot relate to at all. But she handles it, even though she would not probably use the word gracefully. I see it very gracefully. And she is not going to sugarcoat anything, my friends. Just know that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's something that I love about you so much. So yeah, I'm so excited that you got to come on today and we could talk about this. Thank you so much for having me on, Cass. And I just want to say too how proud I am of you. I know what you're dealing with right now. You know, you're dealing with some losses and things like that, but you have always kept your head up and you've just kept moving forward continually through hurdles and obstacles. And to be able to see you come from that beginning seed of this podcast to where it's at today, I'm just so proud. And I'm honored to be your friend. Oh, thanks, Kaylee. Mm -hmm. Now we just have to focus on finding a time to meet in person. (laughs) I know. Well, December 26th, we'll see if my sister's in town. If not, I'm coming to you. (laughs) We're just going to knock on wood and figure it out. All right, friends. (laughs) Well, I hope that we get a chance to talk again with all of you and have a great rest of your day. The Oregon College Savings Plan can help fund your child's dreams and ideas. But it's not just for college. It's also the trade school savings plan and the books and materials savings plan, even the room and board savings plan. With fewer educational expenses to think about, your kids can focus on what matters, their future. Start saving today to support your child's tomorrow. Learn more at OregonCollegeSavings.com. Where you live shouldn't limit your access to quality internet. That's not fair. U.S. Cellular introduces fast and fair high-speed internet. With reliable home internet from U.S. Cellular, now there's no limit to how you stream, game, and work. So instead of this... You get this. Upgrade to fast and fair high-speed internet from U.S. Cellular. Upgrade to fair.